With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. He turns, he fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Back to Bibby, has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Brendan Nunez from the Kings Herald and the Kings Pulse Podcast. Brendan, what's going on? You're learning on the fly. I am. It's been a crazy couple days. A lot of new experiences for me this season and ending the season and talking to all these guys for the last time until next year or maybe the last time and who knows how long in some of these cases is yeah definitely a new experience learning on the fly for sure yeah it's it's been a wild few days um since we last saw you um i we we started like a major tussle between the sacramento kings and dante DiVincenzo and his camp um that certainly happened uh on thursday show um the kings went one and one uh, split their final two games with the Los Angeles Clippers, and they uh, they came away with a win to finish the season against the Phoenix Suns. Alvin Gentry's been fired. A bunch of other people have been fired. Um, chaos. Chaos has ensued. This is uh, welcome to Sacramento Kings basketball, a tradition like no other. Um, Brendan, uh, let's just, uh, number one, we'll get this out of the way. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, jump down, uh, give us a thumbs up, uh, give us uh, a subscription if you can, um, jump on board with the King's beat. We're doing crazy work. We're going to be doing all kinds of amazing stuff all summer long. Um, so kingsbeat.com, uh, or you can go down below in the description and find, uh, all of that stuff as well. Uh, go on and get a premium subscription to the King's Beat. So then that way you can invite to next week's happy hour. I think it's going to be on Thursday, still lining up a guest, but it'll be a good one like always. And the happy hours are the bomb. 
um, and that's for premium subscribers only. And it's like like slightly more than a gallon of gas uh, for you to become a premium subscriber it's per month. It's it's $7 per month. Uh, it's, it's a great deal, and uh, you're supporting independent content that me and Brennan and uh, me and Brennan are producing here nonstop. Um, so let's get to this because we have so much ground to cover. Um, it is a wild, wild couple of days in Sacramento, and that's because uh, the expected happened, but it's still it's still different, right, when you're in the middle of it. Um, Alvin Gentry has uh, been told he will not be back as head coach. Um, there will be a full-fledged coaching search. Just, Brendan, this is your first time going through this. Just why don't you, we start there? What it was, what has your last 72 hours been like? It's probably a lot of figuring out how to approach this when it comes to, uh, interviewing these guys. And, you know, there is a little bit of a game to it of getting them to answer questions without maybe being the most, it's not direct, but there's just certain ways that you have to ask things. And I think that it's been a learning process for me at this final stage for sure, because it's just different than how we're asking questions throughout the entire regular season and seeing Alvin let go. And um, my dog decides this is a good time to start chewing on her toy. Um, You see Alvin let go and it's just another situation of like, we were just talking to him two two days ago. And then you hear that, He's no longer, um, or he's not going to be moving forward as head coach of the Kings, and maybe this isn't the case, but at that point, thinking that I'm probably not going to see Alvin for a very long time, um, which, yeah, I guess we'll see what's going on with Alvin Gentry, and I think always experiencing that the same way that we did with Tyrese, like you hear about it so often of guys are just gone one day, super unexpectedly, and uh, Tyrese was definitely the first time I experienced that, but it happening again with uh, Alvin, which was a little expected. And then some of these guys like Dante Harrison, we talked to recently. And um, I think we talked to Chemezi after the Phoenix game as well. Damian Jones. And Damian Jones. um, Yeah. A handful of those guys, like you don't know if this is the last time you're going to talk to them. And I guess that's just been weird to me, you know? It's different. Um, I have described it in the past as like, it's like you go you go away for the summer and you come back at the end of the year and you come back or you're going away from summer for summer and you know that someone is moving that summer and then they're then when you show up to school the next year they're just not there anymore and if you haven't exchanged phone numbers or or whatever like you just don't see them ever again and we'll see these guys again because they will be back around with other teams they're you know regardless who of who it is I I think most of the players we're talking about are going to be in the league. Um, Alvin is a is a different situation. Alvin will probably Alvin has a decision to make. He has an option to join the Kings' front office. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, um, but it's out there. And uh, you know, even we talked to Monty McNair on Tuesday. He was asked very specifically about what role Alvin might have if he did accept a front office role. And um, Monty was kind of noncommittal. And to be honest with you, we've seen this act uh, a couple of times in Sacramento. It's kind of what we saw with uh, Tyrone Corbin, where he was supposed to be some advisor, and we never saw him. Uh, the fact is that uh, Alvin Gentry is under contract next year, 
and um, you know the Kings. So they have offered him some sort of position that we don't even know what it is. Um, and, and I would be surprised if he actually took it, to be honest with you, because um, Alvin Gentry still would like to coach. He still wants to be around players. He still wants to be around the action. And um, there's going to be opportunities for him, especially with the number of coaches that are, you know, sort of out there that we're looking at that um, that could find new jobs and stuff this summer. So, um, like, this could be the last we see of Alvin for a long time. Um, but uh, it, it's just a weird experience, right? Uh, it's it's one of those things where you're just watching things unfold, and and even for yourself, it's like you're waiting and watching. Um, like social media, like a lot of people, um, you know, the longer you do it, the more people you're calling and talking to and figuring out if it's happening, when it's happening, how it's going to happen. Um, I, I pre-wrote it. I, I always have these things pre-written. Um, I had Luke Walton's uh, dismissal pre-written like in March of last year because I thought it was going to happen then. And then you just update stats and change things and like who's going to take over and all that stuff. So, um, but it's an experience, right? It definitely is. How long are you on the phone for yesterday, James, when all this is going on? Um, Various phone calls, doing all your research. I probably did. I was probably on the phone for like nine hours yesterday. Yeah. Like I, I spoke to Oof. people until, I don't know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. I started getting texts around that time as well um, from other people. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a weird situation because – it wasn't just Alvin Gentry that was let go, and and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but uh, it was kind of like a like a you know a Monday massacre in Sacramento, and these things happen. And you know we as of this point we do not know what's going to happen to Alvin Gentry's coaching staff. Um, uh, Monty McNair was asked specifically about that today. And Monty said, like, look, um, I, I already had that conversation with the guys. They're all just kind of in limbo, and we'll figure it out once a new coach comes in. And, uh, you know, between the two of them, they'll they'll help decide who's going to be back and who won't, and um, and they'll move forward. I, I think that the two guys that I would circle and say, there's a pretty solid shot they'll be back, but you never know, uh, is Doug Christie and Rico Hines. Um, but, again... You know, I've ha I've had those conversations as well with some of these guys, and and you know there is no definitive answer to whether, uh, you know Doug or or uh, or anyone else will be back on this roster, on this coaching staff next season. So yeah, it's just this weird finality that happens at the end of the season. Um, we did get a lot of players. You know, uh, Brennan said. You know, I think we had Damian Jones and Chimezi Metu on Saturday. Um, we had Dante Divincenzo, Davion Mitchell. Harrison Barnes, um, is that it on? Alvin, uh, yeah. What's that? Oh, and Alvin, Alvin but yeah. on Sunday, uh, following the the season finale against the the Phoenix Suns, those were all on Zoom because they were on the road. Uh, Monday, we were uh, we reconvened at Golden One Center for an early morning press conference where we uh, we sat down with both. Uh, with De'Aaron Fox and with uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Um, I, I thought there's there a lot to take away from that. And then, of course, on Tuesday, we were back at the arena at 11 o'clock this morning uh, for another interview with uh, Monty McNair, where he went over um, what really amounts to another complete failure of a season for the Sacramento Kings. Um, his second uh, very, you know, lackluster season. 
Um, I think he's got 61 wins as a general manager between his first two years, um, which is not good. Uh, and there's more changes coming. Uh, so um, we're going to delve into uh, like the coaching search and all that stuff. But let's start with um, with De'Aaron and, and Domantas. Um, I thought, Brendan, one of the things that stuck out to me uh, was there, they had two different answers. Both of them answered the, the question as to whether they wanted to have input in the coaching search. We can start with Harrison Barnes. Why don't you tell us what happened with Harrison Barnes like the night before? Because that, that was kind of comical, right? Yeah. Um, Harrison definitely had a little bit more spice to him. I guess on the last he did, uh, didn't the he? last interview, yeah, he <laughs> he was giving some media members a hard time. He had a little, yeah, a little more spice to him is what we'll go with. And I asked him if, um, you know, the looming coaching decision for next season, whoever it may be, and and off season moves, would he like to be involved in that process? And he kind of laughed and said, you know, thanks for thinking of him that way, but not <laughs> happening, pretty much. It yeah, was enough that thinking. I text you after, and I was like, "Was that a stupid question?" I was like, "No, Harrison's just a little." Spicy there are right no now. stupid questions. There are only <laughs> stupid people that ask questions. Yeah, that's fair no, enough. Fair no, enough. It, it it wasn't a stupid question, and um, and it wasn't stupid because I I asked uh, the next day, uh, you know, Sabonis and and De'Aaron Fox, and um, I thought that their answers were were totally. Like both of them answered the question, and Sabonis was like, "Hell yeah, I want input." Like, yeah, I want to tell them who I would like and what type of coach. And then Fox was different. He Fox was his laid back. Um, I'm a hooper. Yeah, right? I have the quotes. Um, yeah, let's hear them. Sabonis is is yeah, I would like to be a part of it and talk to everyone, give them my input and what I think what I've seen, what could work, what could help. Um, so that's a bonus. And then he went and went to a little bit of working together with that group in the off season. And then when you ask De'Aaron, he says, quote, for me, I'm not thinking too much into the head coaching thing. You know, let the front office do what they do. I have trust in them. If they ask me, I'll give my two cents, but I'm not really going into it thinking like that. Um, but just someone who is that going to install discipline and try to change the culture so discipline and someone who's going to try to change the culture and and i think that's huge um that's something that i think we've learned and it's something like from my sources from your sources De'Aaron fox wants more structure he 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 wants someone who will call a play on occasion and, and who will direct traffic and who will get in there with a whiteboard and start scribbling and Start saying, do this, do this, do this. He wants more. He wants more coaching, right? And, and I think that's something that we've learned about him over the last couple of years. But specifically in this season, um, he was perfectly fine with uh, with Luke Walton. Like uh, he said it multiple times that he thought that Luke should have been the coach here. And then uh, when they transitioned to Alvin, I, I think it was just he, he wants more structure. And so I don't know which coach uh, that we'll discuss is going to be that guy. Well, you know who it reminds me of? And you can tell me if I'm off base on this. Okay. Dave Yeager. Yeah. 
Actually, uh, you know what? De'Aaron Fox really enjoyed his time in, under Dave Yeager. I, I think that that's something that, like, is missed. There were players that didn't like Dave, that they got upset with Dave. Um, and even, you know, Buddy Hield was one of those players, and Buddy would still admit that his best season in the NBA was under Dave Yeager. Um, the Bagleys clearly, clearly did not like Dave Yeager. Um, that's why uh, Marvin Sr. called him Coach Yogurt all the time. And uh, and since you brought up Dave Yeager, there's actually a really um, cool piece in the, I think it's a Philadelphia Examiner today, about Dave and his recovery from um, from neck and, boy, what do they call it, neck and throat cancer. Um, and uh, it's some like he was on a feeding tube for a long time. Uh, he's still trying to gain weight. There was some time where... He like couldn't speak. Uh, he was he went through a lot of pain. So uh, just something to uh, like look at, Dave. Um, I spent a lot of time with Dave Yeager, and and he's a good guy, and I, I'm glad to hear that he's doing so much better. Uh, but that is kind of the style of coach that I think Fox is used to, and that's it's interesting because um, like when you're coaching, like if you ever do pick up coaching, like when I coach soccer. There are some kids that respond really well to like directions. There are some kids that respond really well to freedom. There are some kids that are disrespectful and you have to keep it check. So like, I think we're seeing that like everyone has a different point of view. Right. But, um, these guys here, uh, when it comes to Fox and Sabonis, I I'm surprised that we got two different answers because if I'm Fox, I, I would like to, he said, I'd like to be kept in the loop, but. Like, I don't have to know. I don't have to say, hey, I like that guy. Um, Which is very Fox. Like It is. It is. It's very much him. You know, I, I almost feel like the, I don't know, you just don't see De'Aaron as the guy. I, I was more surprised with Domas's answer, how blunt he was of saying, yes, I want to be involved. Um, because De'Aaron, it's pretty fitting for his personality. Like, I'm still like, you know, if he wasn't talked to in this situation, I still think that, like, I still think he wants to be informed, you know, like I, I do think it's probably more of a like whatever happens if they ask my opinion, I'll give it like I, I still think he probably wants to be in the loop. Um, and that's just how De'Aaron goes about um, talking to media and, and just his personality in general, maybe a little bit more laid back when we don't know Domas very well. I was I was pretty surprised with how blunt he was with that. I really enjoy Domas as like an interviewee like he's he's engaging he's fully in like he's smiling he is happy still that he's in sacramento regardless of what happened here in the final 25 games of the season where you know i think what did he miss 10 uh down the stretch with uh with a knee injury um and again he's 100 percent fine he told us it was just a bad bone bruise and then he's totally fine um fox says he could probably play now but even like he he said the Orlando game was the first time that he thought that he might have been able to play with his hand injury where um you know the swelling had gone down enough in his right hand um, but even then he said he would have been like a set shooter he couldn't he still couldn't dribble with his right hand uh, and I thought it was interesting too he he mentioned that um Drew Holiday uh that it was Giannis who hit his hand and then that uh Drew Holiday like saw that he couldn't dribble with his right hand and kept pressuring him to, you know, like isolating him on his left. 
and that's you know one of the reasons why I think in that uh, that Bucks game he had what four turnovers in the last two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We got a little bit of injury updates, and like you said, Domas said a severe bone bruise. Yep. And then for De'Aaron, uh, yeah, De'Aaron had a funny moment talking about Giannis for a second there. He said uh, Giannis was going to the basket, and that's a strong uh, bleep. We all know that, and. I thought I hit his knee, but I actually got my hand on the ball, and the ball went straight through my hand and kind of just stretched out ligaments, and it was fat. I really couldn't see the bones and everything on my hand. It was a bad day. Feeling much better now, obviously, going through rehab and all that stuff, getting back on the court as soon as possible. So definitely yeah. updates from both those guys. Nothing all too concerning. Domas is going to play for Lithuania. He is going to play for Lithuania. Yeah. He's super excited about that. Um and, you know, there's a lot going on in uh, Eastern Europe right now. And, and I think that, you know, he does want to represent his country. And, you know, who's the other big center that he plays with there? Um, it's Valanciunas, right? Yeah, Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, that's that's a mean tandem. Yeah. Like if is. you could play them together, that's that's a lot of, lot of gigantic Lithuanian. We, no, no, no. We should, we, we're not supposed to talk about Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, we don't if we don't talk about Jonas. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Um, outside of that, was there any other crazy takeaway that you had from the Fox and Sabonis interviews? Um, I thought it was interesting that De'Aaron talked about. Um, he said, uh, "I just have all these quotes here because I just wrote this yesterday um, about how winning teams are built the same." It's um, Quote, most winning teams are kind of built the same. You got your two, three, maybe four guys, and everything else is just kind of length and shooting. So being built like that, I mean, I think we have a pretty good foundation where we're at, but obviously you can never have too much length and too much shooting in the NBA. That's a premium. Um, we heard Monty McNair today confirm kind of the obvious of, you know, we do really need shooting this offseason. And um, I think it makes sense. It's nothing like eye-opening, but it's interesting to hear them say it themselves yeah i also think monty mcnair has continued to say that they're going to be aggressive that um that they're not looking for a one-year playoff fix sorry kenny caraway uh they're not looking for a one-year deal where they get into the playoffs and then after that happens you know they could crash and burn right afterwards they're looking for sustainable success and uh, and I'm, you know, like, it's a good thing that Monty McNair was there uh, on Tuesday sitting in front of cameras and having a conversation for talking about how he's going to hire a new coach. And to me, that's a good thing because that means that Monty's going to hire his own coach. And that's something that he has not had the opportunity to do yet. Um, you know, again, Luke Walton was not his hire. That was Vladi Divac's hire. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think that like when you make a big swing like the Sabonis deal, you probably should have the opportunity to continue to build it out because you you made the big building block piece, and now it's like okay, can you put the rest of it together? Um, I, I'm hoping he gets that opportunity. Can we go to the Luke thing real quick? Um, yeah, backtrack a sec to that because I think a lot of people would say that. And I'm curious your response to this of that Monty didn't choose Luke in the first place, but he did kind of choose him to be his guy when he did it had Luke for a second year in a row. Uh, okay, so 
I'm going to say that 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 is probably up for debate. So I, I would like to tell you that that is 100% true. That Monty McNair had a, like an unequivocal, I want Luke Walton back. Um, I do know that they had a very good working relationship. That everything went like they were they were in lockstep with a lot of stuff down the stretch of of last season. Um, but I'll also tell you that like Luke Walton had eleven million dollars coming into this season left on his contract for the next two years, and it's something like. I want to say it was like 6.5 million he's owed next season. So he was owed a lot of money. And I know this is, it's Sacramento Kings basketball in a nutshell, but when you start a coach uh, at the beginning of the season and he coaches, you know, what did he finish up? Like 17 games, right? Yeah. If you, you coach 17 games and then an interim steps in, that interim is never going to get paid head coaching salary. He'll get paid close. He might make two million a year or two and a half million a year, but he's not getting like four or five. Uh, that's just typically not the way it goes. And so I would say that I would like to believe that Monty said, "Yes, Luke is my guy." But if that's what he felt, then he probably should have given him more than seventeen games. And Alvin Gentry was always hired for a specific reason, and that was if the Luke Walton situation did not work, that they had a replacement in mind. They had a replacement sitting there ready to step in. And so yes and no, I'm going to say that that was probably not 100% pure Monty McNair says, Luke is my guy and I'm going to roll with him. And we're never going to get the the fully straight answer even if they give you a straight answer, I don't think it's a straight answer. Um, and so we're going to have to, uh, we can take his word at it. Uh, but at the same time, like you let the dude go 17 games into the season. Like if he was really your guy, you probably would have let him ride it out a little bit longer. And I know that Walton uh, really thought it was a knee jerk reaction and that there should have been more time that Every time something goes wrong with this franchise, it's always knee jerk. It's like we got to fire him. We got to fire him now. And um, he, Walton, truly believed that if they would have just let him ride this thing out, that he probably would have steadied the ship and shown some continuity uh, and consistency going forward. Um, but at the same time, they were getting drubbed, and you know, changes happen, right? So, um, they definitely yeah. Do. <laughs> They definitely do. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, yeah. So, do you know? Do you think that this is also part of like Ken Ken Cantonella, for example, assistant GM for the Kings, has moved on from everything I've heard is that he's pretty highly regarded, a good CBA cap numbers guy. Um, to you, is that another example of Monty getting to build his staff? I would like to tell you yes. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go sort of in the same sort of vein that we just did with, uh, with Luke Walton. Like, look, I, when Monty took this job, it was under like extreme circumstances. Like I, I think I've laid it out. Like for me, like this, this job, it has to be looked at as like one of like, it's a mind boggling job to take the Sacramento Kings like general manager job. If you're Monty McNair, when, when he takes a job, I'm just going to run through this super quick. 
you already have Buddy Hield on the under contract for 24, 22, 20, uh, 20 million. So three more years of Buddy Hield and a really like a tough contract to move. Um, your first act of business is that you have to sign De'Aaron Fox to a new five-year, $163 million extension. Also, if you're Monty McNair, you are accepting the fact that Luke Walton will be your head coach for at least one year and maybe part of another. Maybe. So, yes, a part of another. Um, not only that, but uh, you have Ken Catanella, who is your assistant GM. You beat Wes Wilcox out for the job, but then Wes Wilcox is hired as your number two. So now you have two guys that you've never worked with before as your 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 number two, three, as your assistant GMs. Um, on top of that, Joe Dumars is floating out there who is a former executive extraordinaire that's uh, a, I don't even, like, He's, Do we he's, know a title, James? We he has a title. I can't remember what it is, but it's uh, basically it's um, an advisor to the chairman. I believe is his title, and the chairman is Vivek Ranadive. Uh Vivek is his own situation um, because everyone knows that like this is nine years of Vivek being part of this this group. So if you're Monty McNair, you took on a job with. Um, with some blemishes with some like weird situations. And now you're two years in and uh, it was a pretty stunning day. Like Monday was, was Monday evening was when news broke that it, it wasn't just, you know, Ken Catanella lost his job, but also uh, Alec, uh, Alex Sigua, uh, the, one of the King's media relations directors and um, Joe Resendez, the, the King's trainer, all of them lost their job on Monday evening. And like these situations, like, again, you're, you're going through this for the first time. Um, you didn't even know, like you had asked Alex about his job before. Um, and like, that's, it's kind of, it's strange, right? Yeah. I, I asked Alex again, uh, media relations director, ex media relations director, I guess earlier this season of like, so how does your guys' position work? You know, is it season by season? And, I even got met with a little bit of like a, what are you talking about? And I had to like double down on this. Um, like, no, just like any other job, it's not contracted like NBA players and management and things like that. And and he's gone, James. We saw him yesterday, and I just don't get to see him. No, it's a weird. One. Uh, it's rough. Okay, so that's gonna be like. There's a personal side to this that. Um, you know, I even talked about Alex and Rasan. So the Kings had two media directors, uh, Alex and then Rasan Gathers. Uh, both of them are great dudes. Um, I've known I've known Alex for twelve years. Uh, Alex used to be in the PR department of the Kings. He started out as a PR director, um, and I mean as a PR intern, and then he worked his way up in PR. Um, and then he convert. He he left the Kings for a few years um, after the Maloof era, and just uh, like the final nights of the Maloofs were were like some of the worst things. That, like they had a like the sister. I can't even remember her name at this point. Um, you know, Joe and Gavin, and uh, like their their sister brought one of her friends up and a camera crew from the Real Housewives of. Uh, of whatever um 
Southern California. They're like I can't even remember where they were the Real Housewives of, and they Beverly they Hills acted. Or well, I don't think it was Beverly Hills. I think it's actually um, it's not Anaheim. I I can't remember. Anyway, important details, they, James. Yeah, they they brought a camera crew up, and filmed like them walking through the halls of like the main corridors of um golden one I mean, of uh of arco arena acting like they were fearful for their lives like like that's what they were doing they're like oh my gosh we're worried you know we got to get to our our box super fast we don't want to get assaulted by the fan base and like it was like this weird thing um orange county real housewives of orange county there it is uh, clicked <laughs> yeah it did I mean, it may even like I remember Colleen is is the mother of the Maloofs, but I, I for some reason I can't remember the the wife's name, I mean, the the uh, sister's name. Anyway, like Alex was, Alex and his boss were part of this where they literally had to go like babysit this camera crew and, and their people, and it was just like the most shameful, embarrassing thing that anyone had ever seen, and they were like. And most of the people left that were part of that had to be part of like the final days of the Maloofs because it was like, okay, this is this is too much. And Vivek wanted to hire a bunch of new people when when they actually did their whole switch over and all that stuff. So so anyway, uh, Alex is a good good guy. He's been around for a long time. Um, And, you know, like these guys, they work hard. I know he was on the road trip. He got back at one o'clock in the morning from Phoenix on uh, Monday morning. Was one of the first guys in the building. Helped write press releases for the things that were going to happen during the day. Helped talk to people about, um, you know, like prep people for what was going to be coming their way. All of this stuff, and then, um, you know, gets called into an office later in the day and gets and gets let go. Uh, and it really is unfair, uh, but it, you know, it's NBA business. Uh, I've seen at this point like a lot of media directors a lot of media um like staff have come and gone in sacramento uh you know and uh when i first started it was darren may and chris clark and uh devin blankenship and daryl arada all of those guys are gone troy hansen was uh you know the head of that group um and then we had chris clark for a long time uh who you know brought in rasan and and there there's been some other guys that have come and gone but um it that hurts because Brennan and I spend a lot of time waiting in these rooms, like for our media, for, for players to show up, right. Or to get let in after practice. And it's guys like Alex that are there most of the time, like hanging out with you. Uh, they're the guys you go to when you want a one-on-one with a player. They're the guys you go to, um, when you want a media credential, if you're Brendan and, and all of these things. And so when you lose guys like this, it's hard because they do become friends. And so that one's hard. Ken Catanella is a really good guy. I've known Ken for a long time. Um, Ken is, uh, he's always like, he cracks me up because uh, he's so straight laced that he really wouldn't even answer. Like I would send him a text about a specific um, nuance to the salary cap, right? Like, look, I'm help. I'm, I'm trying to break this down and I'm not asking for specifics about a player or what you're going to offer or anything like that. But hey, I just want to know about this point in in the CBA. I'm having some sort of issue breaking it down, and Ken would go, "Well, okay, I'll, I'll check with uh, 
I'll check with PR and make sure that I can get uh, that I can get you that information, and then would get back to me. Okay, I got clearance to get you that information, and yes, you can. Here is the he would explain it, and just like always, oh, there was like if there was ever a leak in Sacramento, it was never Ken Catnilla, like ever. Like he was never going to give you anything, but a really really good guy and a family guy who lives uh, in Rockland. He's been with the franchise for six years, and now he's starting over. Um, I don't know Joe, uh, the, the head trainer that well, I do know that there's some internal strife there with, uh, with that side, the, the medical group, and I'll have to get more into it. Um, you know, as we, as we go along, but, uh, he always seemed like a really good guy and I'll point out to like, how many injuries do the Kings have this year? Like, what we... There were some that were kind of freak injuries. Like Rashawn's eye, eye situation twice. Um, I mean, there was a lot of COVID-related inavailability, uh, health and safety protocol that made it feel like a lot more injuries than it was. But like, um, kind of, I, I think, I have a question for you that I think is kind of the road you're going down here is that like people look at, you know, the athletic trainer being let go and media relations director being let go and being like, they handled injuries so bad. That must be what they're feeling for, by doing this. And like you're saying, there's not that many injuries that went on right now, but I think the ones that people would point to are looking back to maybe the way that Marvin was handled or situations of like, we don't know until very late in this season of are Fox and Sabonis going to return or not. They don't officially rule them out. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting to see a lot of people jumping to that. Okay, so I'll tell I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Harrison Barnes hurt his foot like in the first two weeks of the season, right? Came back like two or three days later. Um, we had a couple of games missed when the Rashawn got poked in the eye in the first the first time, and then the second time was an eye laceration and actually needed a procedure. Um, Terrence Davis fell and broke his wrist. Um, outside of that, I remember Justin Holiday missing a game because of illness. I remember some. Like they Back wrote them stuff with Len. Yeah. But even most of those situations were just that they weren't going to play. Yeah. Like, I don't think we really had outside of Terrence Davis and, and the Rashawn Holmes until we got late in the season. And, and honestly, Fox and Sabonis, if it were a different situation and this team was fighting for a playoff spot, they probably would have been able to play after two or three games. I think last year we can look at the same exact thing. This team was healthy almost the whole year. The year before that, we had the uh, De'Aaron Fox and, uh, well, Marvin Bagley broke his wrist in the first uh, game of the season. He got karate chopped by Kelly Oubre. And then, like, right before game 10 in a practice, De'Aaron Fox got the grade three ankle sprain, right? Um, Outside of that, again, like, this team has been relatively healthy and you're always going to get your end of the season thing where they shut guys down. You know, we had last year at the end of the year, Tyrese Halliburton had that one bad step where he like tacoed his knee and everyone was freaking out and then he was fine. Um, and, and again, Fox ended the season with COVID stuff, but like this team really has been relatively healthy. And uh, so like, I'm not going to point a bunch of fingers at a training staff that, you know, like, did is Pete Youngman like? Did he need to be replaced? Absolutely not. That was a 
a travesty that that happened. And his entire staff was so incredible. And, you know, like we talked about Ramsey just won the national champion championship at Kansas as their, uh, their health and, I mean, their strength and conditioning coach. Um, Manny Romero is, uh, down at UOP. Uh, Pete is with the, um, the G league ignite. Like these guys are so highly respected. All of them. Well, Manny and, uh, uh, and, oh my goodness. Why am I drawing a blank now? Uh, they, they like, they continued their education and they have like PhDs in what they do. Like, because that's the, that's what Pete Youngman like fostered behind the scenes. Now this new group, like we've gone, we've seen a lot of uh, strength and conditioning coaches come and go, which is weird. Um, but, uh, but Ramsey, again, Ramsey went and continued his education and all that stuff. Um, but we, we've seen a lot of uh, like turnover somewhat in that department, but, uh, Joe has been there and, and everything I've heard about Joe, he's a very nice guy. And, and again, like, I, I think the Kings made cuts, like at the end of the day, I don't think anyone did like a horrible job. I don't think they're being blamed for anything. I think at the end, we're probably just seeing number one, some change that Monty wanted to make for himself. Uh, but also we're probably seeing some cost cutting measures here. Yeah. Is this a typical amount of turnover? I mean, and who knows if we're done, right? In a regular franchise? I guess we'll go for the Kings. No, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it's like, yes, I think this is typical for the Kings. Um, now, is it this many? Maybe not, but, but really it is. It's almost every, I mean, we have a new coach every two years in Sacramento, um, you know, and, and that means all the assistants go most of the time or a couple stay. Um, but when it comes to like some of these departments, I mean, you know, Pete Youngman was there for 25 years or something, you know, most of his staff was there for 10, 12 years. Like they were around for a long time. Uh, you know, Chris Clark, 17 years with Sacramento Kings before he was let go a couple of years ago. So like, these are, you know, situations that happen, but at the same time, um, the Kings are always in flux and, and they've got some new stuff happening. They've got some new people they're bringing in for, um, the PR side and, and someone is shifting over into the basketball side and, and we'll see how that happens see how it works. And I hope they, they're able to build up their staff. Their, uh, media relations staff has been totally understaffed for years. Like the Warriors have six guys, the Kings typically have two and an intern. Um, and so that can't keep going. I mean, you're just running people into the ground. Um, but you know, uh, this is, it's part of Kings basketball and it's, it's kind of part of Kings lore. It's what happens at the end of every season. Yeah. All those books behind you are actually just books of Kings lore throughout the years. Yeah. I could write Five a few books of them. per year. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could write a few books about, yeah. about what's happened. So um, staying on staying on management real quick, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I wanted to have a little conversation about Wes Wilcox. Um, I think I just hear his name a lot being around more than I think I – being around, I think I've come to realize that maybe Wes Wilcox is more involved than I, like, initially thought. And my question to you is that, you know, everybody – always is just kind of pointing towards Monty. And I'm not saying Wes being involved is a bad thing or anything like that, but I think what's interesting to me is, and this is mainly throughout socials, I see like whenever you're talking about the front office, you say Monty and Wes. But I think just for the sake of this, to me is like that so much of the fan base is often like Monty this, Monty that. And do you think that that is typical for just 
who the head honcho is is going to be the name that's constantly thrown out there, or do you think it should be Monty and Wes more often compared to just Monty's doing this, Monty's doing that? Yeah, I mean, like, we always said Vlade as well, and Vlade and Peja were there together the whole time, and Ken Catanella is there as well. You know, so, um, like, with this specific front office, um, Monty is like Monty's a bit of an introvert, and he's not he's not super comfortable in front of a camera. Like that's that's we've noticed that the whole time. Um, I thought last year at this time he had a press conference that was like his best press conference that he he really opened up and he took accountability. Um, I don't think we saw that as much this time around, but I think we're also kind of like off kilter because there's so many things happening at one time. Um, this season specifically. Um, so when I look at, uh, Monty, like Monty is, again, he's, he's more of an introvert. Um, he's a really bright guy. I've had plenty of, he prefers his conversations off the record, just him and, and you and away in a, in a, in a conference room with the door closed. That's how he prefers his conversations. Wes Wilcox is totally different. Wes wanders around the court in pregame, and he's accessible, right? And you've seen me go over and have conversations with Wes. Every single pregame, Wes is out there. Every single pregame, yeah. And so a lot of times, uh, Wes is an extrovert. He is someone who um, is a, a phone call guy. He's the guy that knows everyone in the league. He's a guy who's been around for a long time, who's been a general manager before. So I think what you're looking at is a dynamic of two totally different personalities. And I think that there's a way that those two personalities can really work together. There's also always going to be like the, you know, this situation of whether one guy is, you know, is, is doing, if they're on the same page, right? So, and, and I think they are on the same page uh, for the most part. Um, but I also know that like, you have to like be able to read between the lines so hard to get anything out of Monty McNair. And that's not the case with Wes. Wes is much more of an open book. Uh, so yeah, I think especially now that Ken is gone, excuse me, we are moving forward with Monty and Wes, but every time there is an actual press conference and there's actually something to discuss, like a coach just got fired and you just posted a 30 and 52 trash season in your 16 consecutive non-playoff season, then Monty is the one who's up there by himself. And that to me, it's different. It is way different because, you know, it used to be that, you know, you walk in and there's Pete D'Alessandro, Chris Mullen, you, there would be name tags. So we would like the little, like, you know, L-shaped things, brackets that sit up with people's names on them. We'd walk in, there'd be three microphones, there'd be three chairs, there'd be a Vivek Ranadive one, a Pete D'Alessandro, a Chris Mullen, or there would be a Vlade Divac, Dave Yeager, and Vivek Ranadive. There's all of these different people that are that are going to talk, and that's just not the case anymore. It's, it's really Monty sitting there, like, taking all of the questions, hard questions, soft questions, confusing questions, whatever they might be. Um, uh, Monty is the one who is answering all of them in front of cameras, but that's not the way it works when you're around the building. 
if that makes sense, right? Yeah, definitely. And of course, you know, nobody is, I don't think anybody's assuming that Monty's making all these decisions by himself or anything. I just think it's easy to forget and kind of get caught up and in, in just throw it all on one name when there's a team that goes into all of this. And we're seeing that team get altered a little bit and their beliefs extend beyond their immediate group and management into the coaching staff that's going to get reworked here as well and and even things like uh, the training staff media relations and all that and it's uh definitely interesting to witness all this turnover and, and kind of see what it leads to going into next year because as we've said over and over it's a very big year that you're not really allowed to mess up you know De'Aaron did have a moment of kind of saying like you know winning's important every year but it was kind of like a, we have to win next year. He had a moment where he said, I want to be a winner. Yeah. Like, I mean, I thought it was a really good moment for him. Um, you know, I, I should have probably had that clip ready. Um, but yeah, like he, he did get like there. We saw it once earlier in the season where he got a little emotional about that and saying the same thing. And I thought so too in this one. And he said, look, I haven't wavered from wanting to be in sack. I want to be here and I want to be the one that breaks through because that will mean more here than it will anywhere else. If you can be the guy who snaps a 16 year streak, you're the dude. So absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, Darren said that before in his career, I think people will point to maybe his little bit of pettiness earlier in the season of like, I wouldn't know we're never in the play or this isn't the playoffs, whatever it was. He was frustrated. It was a bad part of the year. And I think it was a little bit of a petty comment from De'Aaron. But I think that anybody would be driven to feeling emotional and just from losing so many years in your career when that's something that he's not ever been used to. So we've heard De'Aaron earlier in his career and kind of doubled down on it again that, yes, he very much wants to be in Sacramento, which, yeah. Not not all too surprising. Good to hear him say it in my mind. I think it's something we heard from Dante DiVincenzo as well. Like Dante DiVincenzo said it the other night. He's like, we have a bunch of guys who want to win. Like, and they're they're hard workers. Like, but he also said, like these dudes want to win card games. Like on the plane. Like we got a bunch of guys who, and that's something like. I once had a friend of ours. We we're all we we're doing like a family board night, uh, board game night with another couple and and with some friends. And the wife asked me like, "Why are you? Why do you always try to win?" And I just looked at her. I'm like, "I've never played anything not to win. Like I, I don't you mean like I've played sports for years. Like everything I've ever played, I I always wanted to win. Like there is no quit. There is no." Like, so I get that mentality that, like... Absolutely. I get yeah, asked, the highly... like, then why are we playing? Like, what are we playing for? Yeah, what is the... the <laughs> point? Like, there is... It, we're not just, like, meandering here and, like, hanging... I, I mean, we are just hanging out, but I can multitask. Maybe they are. Your ass. I'm not. I, I have a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can whoop your ass while talking to you. It's fine. Like, I, I have no problems with that. You you and I and, walked past Cornhole one time going into Golden 1 Center. We said we were going to throw it one time. I think we ended up each doing five until one of us got it in. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to claim that, that I won that, by the way. I don't know. Is that what happened? I don't that's think how that's I remember what, it. I don't think that's what happened. No. So, um, I, I'll just say, like, look, that it's it's a funny thing, but 
I think that there is something to that, especially with this team. I think Davion is a guy who who's so intense. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is so intense. And uh, like we we're going to cover that. Did did we cover the Dante DiVincenzo situation? So, so yes, we kind of, on the last pod, um, we spent like 40 minutes on Dante DiVincenzo, right? And like we covered every angle that you could possibly cover on Dante DiVincenzo. And in that conversation, I discussed the fact that his people are angry and not happy at all with the Kings. That is the case. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Um, and I, I think that that can be smoothed over and figured out. But I didn't expect, like, usually when you write something like that, it can go viral. But typically when you podcast something like that, I was surprised. Uh, and, like... I had no problems with someone cutting video of me saying what I said because I stand behind everything I said. I always have. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, that was crazy to watch the Dante DiVincenzo situation kind of spill out and go crazy and go nuts. I mean, it like there was one tweet that was like someone tweeted a video where they, they clipped two different things that I said and put them together. Again, I had no problems with even the way it was edited and put together. Um, and then that like caught went viral on Saturday where like one of the, the NBA central account picked it up or something and it had like 10,000 likes or something. It, it, it did go viral. So, so like there is going to be a situation there, but there's going to be all kinds of situations here in SAC. There are, there are going to be people who, who walk away and who aren't happy there. There can be guys like Damian Jones, who everyone likes a lot who might not even get offered a contract and might just go somewhere else and play somewhere else. Uh, you just don't know. And, and that's kind of the way that these, these things work out. The fact that someone is unhappy, uh, it, it's newsworthy and it's worth me spending time on for sure. But at the same time, there's we, we now have four months for them to work it out, five months for them to work it out. Like th this thing won't reconvene until September. And they have plenty of time to figure out and get on the same page and work together. Um, that's something I thought was interesting with Sabonis. Uh, the the part where we talked about like he he wants to play together so much during the summer and start building chemistry. Did you find anything interesting out of that? That they were it wasn't like hopefully we can get together. It's we are getting together. Domas said that he'll go and do individual workouts with guys. You mentioned a two man game. Um, I'm assuming that's talking about De'Aaron. And he said, you know, hopefully everyone on the team. And I'm like, Domas, who is on this team? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that it was it was very certain of we are going to build chemistry. And they had slightly different answers with that. They both said that they were going to be working out together. But I thought that De'Aaron's was more focused on communication. Not that they won't get in the gym or anything like that. But De'Aaron was very much about, like, I think one of the best ways to build chemistry is be constantly communicating with someone. And I, I think that they're going to get an opportunity to do that, to do that throughout this offseason um, and get to go into a training camp with a coach and um, kind of be on the same page as the idea for most of this season. I mean, we know even going into last year, obviously the Luke situation changed really quick, which, by the way, um, De'Aaron pointed out that's the first time he's had a coaching change in the middle of the season, which was something I hadn't hadn't clicked for me until he said that. But, um, you know, Buddy and Marvin made it pretty clear they didn't want to be here. And that's what you're dealing with at the beginning of this season. So if you can go into the next year with a new coaching staff and all being on the same page, having chemistry built from 
the previous offseason where Fox, Domas, Davion, say Harrison and Dante are part of that as well, then you have that core and that chemistry built between those guys that can start from when they were all traded here earlier this season. And if they get to build that over the offseason, I think that De'Aaron has a guy that he can look at and is like, this is the duo, me and DeMontis Sabonis, and that's a chemistry that he knows he can focus on building and is probably not going to change. I, I think it was interesting. I uh, I was told by someone in the Kings front office that when they made the Sabonis trade that they thought they got two all-stars. And the first was DeMontis, and the second was De'Aaron Fox. They thought that it would instantly, DeMontis would instantly make um, De'Aaron an all-star. And that's exactly what we saw. Like, Fox, before he got hurt, was averaging 28-something a game. I mean, he was absolutely Final incredible. 15, 28.9, 6.8 assists, 50.3% from the field, and 36% from three. Also, De'Aaron very much acknowledged that he wasn't happy with how he performed this year. Yeah. Oh, no, he's been honest the whole time. He said, like, hey, I didn't shoot well. I keep getting this, like, image in my head of, like, like De'Aaron just, like, hanging out in Houston, and all of a sudden there's, like, a knock at the door, and he opens the door, and it's like, Domas, like, I'm here to work on the two-man game. Like, <laughs> okay, were you going to call first? Like, nope, I'm here, let's go, two-man game. Like, like I, I love it. I, I think, like, Sabonis saying that he's just going to, like, travel to go see all of his dudes like and i think the reality is that domas will realize very quickly that he has uh you know he's gonna play for lithuania he has a brand new baby he needs to move in to whatever house he's gonna live in like there ain't gonna be no time for all of these trips all over the place (laughs) for him and to like to fly wherever trey lyles is and like hey too bad game let's go right now (laughs) like you're like oh okay uh, I think the biggest thing is that uh, a lot of players do work out in L.A. Sabonis lives in L.A. A lot of players work out in Las Vegas. That's like a 20-minute flight um, to go from L.A. to Vegas, I mean, 30-minute flight, whatever it is. I mean, you could be there. like You could drive with no problems. I think that there's a way that this team, a lot of these players can get together and spend a lot of time together, uh, like working out, building some chemistry. Um Let's get to um, – uh, we don't have Tuesday overreactions today. Uh, there's too much information. Like, I, I think the Tuesday overreactions, just so you know, the Tuesday Tuesday overreactions, the Kings fired everybody. They <laughs> they did the overreacting. Like, they, they fired a bunch of people, and they, they always fire a bunch of people. But, like, this one kind of hurt. It did. Like, um, the guys that they fired, like, Alex is a really good guy. He's a friend. Um, that one hurt, like getting a phone call from him yesterday. That one hurt. Um, Kane Catnell is a good guy. Uh, Alvin Gentry, absolutely gem of a guy. Like, I, I mean, if, if he we, the media, he was like, I bet you guys don't hear that one very often. <laughs> and what did he say? Like, you remember, did you write down anything that he said? Did I you don't have him? Alvin's written down, but Alvin was just saying that he loves doing this, that he loves being a coach and being around the players that, you know, believe it or not, I love being around the media. And that's where he dropped the whole, I'm sure you guys don't hear that all too often. And and you saw him messing around like pre and post game. Like you, you can tell Alvin just 
loves doing this. I mean, it's 34 years. He has to. Yeah. And, and I also, he said, you guys have been extremely fair through a very hard season. You have said harsh things that needed to be said. You've, but he's like, I'm cool. We're, we're like, you've been a good group of media with, with me and very fair with me and balanced. And, and that's at the end of the day, what we try to do. We try to be balanced. We try to be fair. Um, I, I always, I know a lot of people don't like it when I do it, but I always try to give perspective. Like, I would love to tell you that Luke Walton was just a complete failure last year as a coach, but he had no players. And this season, like, in all honesty, I think the Sacramento Kings threw away a season trying to get DeMontis Sabonis or Ben Simmons or name that big-name player that would come available. They threw away the whole front half of the season with one focus in mind, and that was to find an all-star. And once we get that all-star, maybe this summer we can get another all-star and we can start building something. But that doesn't change the fact that I believe they threw away half of a season and it ended up being a whole season. And you got to, like, the ramifications of that are going to be, like, it's loud. It's noisy. It's 30 wins. And that's that's not good. And and people lost their jobs. And so uh, at the end of the day, like, I, I this is it's the end of the season. This is what happens, but it doesn't, I would love it if it didn't happen. I would love it if we actually saw something getting built and that would be really cool. So hopefully, 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 hopefully that's where we're going. Was it notable? What? Cause money got asked specifically about Trey Lyles at one point today. And he said, pleasantly surprised. Am I overreacting Tuesday, overreacting even to be in like 2.6 million. Let's do this. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, me too. I, like, I like Trey Lyles. If Trey Lyles is, like, again, if Trey Lyles is a ninth person on your in your rotation, and um, and even Justin Holiday is a tenth guy in your rotation, I, I think you could like have a pretty solid squad. I mean, you got to have much better like number three, number five, number six, number seven. Like, you got to figure out what the other, where those other positions are, and how they like, you know they impact the rest of the the group but i, I still like yeah 2.6 million sign me up yeah like and, and if you need to you can trade trey lyle is a 2.6 million i mean that's an easy one like if it doesn't work out or you need to make some other adjustment but you also have to remember like this this is one thing i'll like the nuances of the salary cap if you have trey lyle's on as one of your 13 you have to have 13 rostered players right and then your salary cap is based off of if you have if you have less than 13 then you have to have a cap hold for 950,000 which is a veteran I mean a, a league minimum player next season. So so basically what I'm saying is like Trey Lyles only costs you 1.6 million dollars more than a league minimum player. And man, he played way better than that. Way way better than that. So so yes, I I would have Trey Lyles back on this team, and like I don't know why he makes so little. I was surprised by how little he made. Yeah, I am all for uh, Trey Lyles. I think it would be smart for the Kings to do that. He's certainly not a long-term answer as a starter or anything like that. I don't think he. I think he's a good backup. Is kind of how I would view Trey Lyles. Um, yeah. Where do you want to go next year? I have a 
business of basketball to close us, but you have a business of basketball. What what is Brandon is like? He's got a business of basketball. What in the hell is going on here? Um. Okay. So I want to cover one. Uh. Well, we're gonna cover two things. Uh. On the way out the door before we get to the business of basketball. Um. Why'd you say it like that? Well, because usually I come up with the business of basketball, so I'm excited to hear your business of basketball, the business of basketball. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, and like I'm gonna like segue to something sort of, something sad uh, before we get to the second conversation. Um, yesterday uh, morning, Wayne Cooper passed away uh, at the age of 65, and for those of you who don't know who Wayne Cooper was. Uh, he was Jeff Petrie's right-hand man in Sacramento. He's a 14-year veteran of the NBA. Uh, he's a big, tall, six foot ten, big man um, that played for a long time in the league, and then spent 19 years in Sacramento in the front office. Um, and I think even the last, the last handful of years, he was actually the general manager of the Sacramento Kings. He was an assistant GM for a long time, but I believe he was the the uh, G- the GM, and Jeff had moved up to the president of basketball operations. Maybe for the last like five years, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, and I'll tell you the in 2013 when um, Vivek decided to bring in Pete D'Alessandro and Chris Mullen, and um, and the transition of power was happening where. Uh, Petrie and um, and Mike Petrie, his son, um, and Sharif Abdul Rahim was there, and Wayne Cooper. Um, it, you were really replacing like a legendary group that had put together a, an incredible run in Sacramento. In the thirty-seven years the Kings have been in Sacramento, they've made the playoffs ten times. Eight of those came during one stretch and one of the other years came in one of Jeff Petrie's first year uh, as a general manager of the Kings. So nine of the 10 total years of playoffs in the Kings Sacramento era of Kings basketball uh, was Jeff Petrie with Wayne Cooper at his side. And um, we got to the point in 2013 where we were just a couple of weeks away from the draft and the decision was made uh, to to fully transition away from Petrie and his group and to relieve them of, of their duties. And that was shocking because Jeff Petrie was Kings basketball. I mean, Jeff Petrie literally for 19, 20 years was Kings basketball. He, he is the architect of everything that was good in Sacramento. Uh, Rick Adelman was his good friend, still is his good friend, um, but... Again, Wayne is one of those guys that kind of flew under the radar and was such a huge part of all of that. And uh, I'll tell you, the the day that Wayne and uh, and Jeff were let go was a brutal day for someone who covered the, the team. Because they were, like, when you grow up watching these guys, when you, you're around them and you're seeing all of the positivity, and even when they made mistakes in the last couple of years, it was out of desperation because the Maloofs had no money and they were cash strapped and they made decisions that they would not have normally made, um, with draft picks and stuff like that. But it was out of, out of desperation because the owners had no money to, they didn't have an idea that, you know, again, they drafted Thomas Robinson 
over Damian Lillard. And from what I know, the reason they did that was was because the Maloofs wouldn't commit to giving them enough money for free agency to go to re-sign Jason Thompson. So they knew they needed a power forward. They knew that they already had Isaiah Thomas and Jimmer Fredette and uh, Tyreek uh, Evans as their their point guards, their guys who could play point guard. But they they really they made mistakes there um, that were because of a lack of money. So um, that final day, uh, I was on my way home. And of course, I live way up the hill away from the arena. And uh, I stopped in at Paul Martin's in Roseville, which used to be like one of my watering holes um, when I lived in that area. Uh, and I sat down at the bar and I needed a drink. It had been a bad day. Uh, it The whole day felt bad. And um, I look behind me and Wayne Cooper walked in. And then Jeff Petrie walked in and uh, they sat down, they had a glass of wine and they were sitting behind me. I was sitting with my back to them at the bar. And then I went to the bartender and I said, hey, can I get them another round? And the bartender said, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get another round. They're like, well, Jeff just gets like, he gets like a happy hour Pinot, but but Wayne doesn't. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, Go ahead and get him a glass of wine. So anyway, it ended up costing me, I think, like Wayne's was like a $30 glass of wine. He, he loved Ron Bauer uh, Chardonnay. And he's, again, a huge man. Like, And uh, I walked over and I said, uh, you know, goodbye, basically, because it, it's like what we're dealing with today. I don't think I ever saw Wayne Cooper ever again after that day. I went over and I said, hey, thank you guys for all that you've done for these years and, and good luck with whatever's next. And they said, thank you. And thanks for the glass of wine. And we cheers. And, and I walked away. Um, so like uh, RIP to Wayne Cooper. I know there are a lot of Kings people, uh, guys like Gary Gerald and Chris Clark and, you know, uh, Jerry Reynolds and Jeff Petrie and Mike Petrie and, and all of these guys who spent years with Wayne Cooper who are hurting over the last, uh, you know, 24 hours because he was a good man and uh, gone way too soon at age 65. Um, and then uh, to, you know, not to be a downer. I mean, that's, these things happen. Uh, we live in a, in a time where these things are happening more often than we would like. Um, but uh, Brendan, I, that, that will, uh, I'll move on to the coaching search. And uh, so before we get out of here, um, we're already seeing a group of names and, um, I think right now I would like to, you know, what are you, what names of the group that we've heard so far? And I'll just rattle them off. We've heard the Kings attached to Steve Clifford, Terry Stotts, Mike D'Antoni, Kenny Atkinson, Mike Brown, Mark Jackson, um, Darvin Ham, Charles Lee. Uh, there's other names that could become available. Um, is there anyone that just stands out to you that, like, like, man, I would love to cover that guy. Um, man, I would love to cover that guy. I'm not sure. I more so had a name that stood out that I would like to probably, I maybe wouldn't love to cover. Oh, um, who's that? Probably Mark Jackson. A lot oh, I'm of, with you. There was a lot of Mark Jackson stories. If anybody wants to look up Mark Jackson's stories, um, and it's interesting that decent amount happened in Golden State, Wall of X in Golden State. Um, 
Mark Jackson was the name that popped off that list to me because he was the one. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this one. After I'm with that, you. I'm interested. <laughs> you're you're interested. You're wide open. Um, yeah, I mean, all of these, get, uh, you know, there's some very successful coaches. There's some uh, coaches that, you know, maybe didn't have as much success as you thought they they might have or could have in their first time around. Um, you know, Steve Clifford being one of those guys that, you know, he's, he's done a good job, uh, after, uh, where was he? Um, was he Charlotte first? Orlando. Um, yeah. Uh, like there, there are some interesting names that are being thrown out there. Uh, but they all kind of have a theme it's that they they have experience except for, uh, Darvin Ham and Charles Lee, who are both on Mike Muddenholzer staff in, um, in Milwaukee. Uh, and then I'll also say, like, uh, Frank Vogel is probably going to get mentioned at some point, um, who just left the Lakers. And I know a lot of Kings fans are going to have, like, the knee-jerk reaction, like, no, no, he's a former no Laker. Laker leftovers. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is Quinn Snyder, who, um, you know, I think Quinn Snyder is going to be chased by huge jobs if he does become available, if he does uh, leave Utah. And I know that uh, we're already hearing that um, – that he probably wouldn't consider the Lakers job after their handling of the Frank Vogel situation, which was flat out crazy. Uh, like, Oh my goodness. That was wild. Um, like having a coach get f- like fired on Twitter by Woj, like in the final seconds of a game and then it, having to, and then for Woj to be like, he'll find out on Monday when he tweeted it on Saturday. I'm like, no, Woj, you just, that's not how this That was worked. on Sunday, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Maybe it was Sunday, but Woj was like, yeah. oh, he'll find out soon. Like like when he picks up his phone or what is it? Yeah, when he has 700 voice messages in his inbox. Yeah. Like, and like When he connects to like, Wi-Fi? Like, I don't know what's... Text, <laughs> text thread. Like, boy, I got some texts during the end of that game. I yeah. wonder what happened. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, again, like, I, I think... People should keep an open mind. Go back to Frank Vogel's time in Indiana when he was extremely successful. Uh, go back to two years ago when he won an NBA championship. And Kings fans, uh, like at this point, like you are beggars and you should not be choosers. Like um, he is a, a guy who's won. And so are a lot of these guys. I think of the group, uh, Kenny Atkinson is one of the guys that gets the most love within the organ uh, with within the group around us right uh within the yeah. the group of kings fans everyone loves kenny atkinson he wasn't that successful like did he have a year where he was solid yeah but he also like he had some really bad years with some really bad teams um uh, but you know i i think that there are coaches with more success uh more success winning um you know the Mike Milwaukee guys are interesting too yeah they don't yeah. have the experience but like Charles Lee is 37 and been with Budenholzer when he was in Atlanta and then came with in Milwaukee. And like Taylor Jenkins comes from the Budenholzer coaching tree. Um, there's interest. I, I think both of those guys are interesting. Darvin Ham, which I'm a little worried that you and Sean would be favored in the media room. I don't know how well, I, feel I should about be favored this. for There'd sure. Be way for too sure. Much I should be ham. favored. There'd be way too much ham going on for me. Oh, yeah. Turkey guy. I loved yeah, watching I Darvin Ham. He, that dude played hard, and he dunked like a cr- like he could get up. He played extreme, like sort of um, 
uh, KJ Martin, maybe a little bit better than KJ Martin. Um, like he I just was got educated on his broken backboard dunk. Just watched that the other day. Oh yeah, Darvin Hams. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Uh, I mean, 40, 44, 46 inch vertical leap, like tremendous leaper. Uh, yeah, and uh, he's been around the league for a long time, and he he's put in his dues. There there could come a time where, you know, and I think that's what a lot of fans should look at. Like the Kings are going to have some options because there aren't that many jobs that are going to open up. The jobs that do open up are going to be better jobs than the Kings. There's a good chance of that. You know, we've heard possibility of Philadelphia. We've heard possibility of Utah. We've heard, like, likelihood of New York. Um, and then, of course, the Lakers. But that's probably it. Like, there's not going to be... What, there, that's, there's not that many jobs. And so if these dudes do want to get back in the league or they do want to become head coaches again, I think the Kings are going to have some really good options. And hopefully... Uh, they choose the right path. Was there something, uh, Monty had something to say about like the type of coach. Was there anything that stood out to you about that? Not specifically, no. I, I think he got asked if he preferred somebody that had experience and he didn't commit to either side really with that answer. Um, I don't think we got, I didn't get too much from his response to that question. I don't know if you did. No, I mean, almost everything we asked, when we asked about the coaching search, it was like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> like, Monty just kept doing, like, some We're going to do a crazy. comprehensive search, which is good. Comprehensive. Because that hasn't happened in years prior sometimes, right? Okay, we got a couple of minutes here. I'm going to dispel some of that, and I'm just going to tell people, okay, listen to me here. Vlade Divac did an extremely extensive search for a head coach. He brought in 12 different candidates, if I'm not mistaken. Some of those candidates he brought in as many as three times. And I think he had whittled his list down to like either four or six head coaches. He had taken weeks to do this. And he brought in all kinds. He had had interviews with all kinds of coaches. And... On a Friday, the Kings got a call that said, hey, Dave Yeager might be available and uh, we he might be leaving Memphis. Would you like an interview with him? Uh, Kings ownership said yes, flew him in on a Saturday, and on Sunday he was signed. And Vlade had this whole book of things, that, of people he had already interviewed, already worked on, and then boom, Dave Yeager's a coach. So when we get to... A couple of years later, they knew Dave Yeager wasn't going to be back for a long time. I I know that. Dave Yeager told me that he thought he had 20 games on on day one. He told me the first game of the season, I got 20 games, and then they're going to fire me. And, of course, they started winning, and they couldn't fire him. And then they had an article written out on Yahoo that talked about how Dave Yeager's job was still in jeopardy, even though he was winning. Anyway, we got to the All-Star break that year. Everyone in the league knew that Luke Walton was getting fired by the Lakers at the end of the season. Everyone knew it. And everyone in Sacramento knew that Vlade was going to hire Luke. So you can say, no, they didn't do their due diligence. They didn't interview a bunch of people. But at that point, Luke Walton was still a very good, young, up-and-coming head coach. And... Vlade knew that he was going to have other suitors and he jumped on him the day the season ended and they brought him in. 
And I know that some people are like, oh, you should have had a huge search and all that stuff. Like Luke was coming off the stretch where he, he won a ton of games with the Warriors. He was coming off a stretch where he had led like a really bad young Lakers team for two years. And then in his third year with the Lakers, he gets LeBron James. They're in the playoff hunt. LeBron James gets hurt. They miss the playoffs. LeBron misses the playoffs for the first time. I'm not saying Luke was a uh, brilliant hire. I'm not saying he was a horrible hire. What I'm saying is that the way it played out is different than most people thought. And Vlade had every right and every motivation to get that deal done quickly. And I'll just tell you, was it last season where the Minnesota Timberwolves literally fired their coach in season and had a new coach that was an assistant on a different team by the end of that night? Like, these things happen. When you have somebody that you want as your head coach, these things happen. And so, like, if... If you get it right, nobody's talking about it. Yeah, if you get it right, no one's talking about it. Exactly. So... Again, like I get people who keep saying, oh, they didn't have an exhausted coaches search. They did. It was just two, three years earlier, and they had an exhaustive search. And, and Vlade learned the hard way that if you leave a door open for someone uh, above you to hire a coach, then that's fine. They will. And that's what happened. And he didn't want that happening again. And he aggressively got his guy. His guy ended up being the wrong guy. Um, but I'll also tell you that if Vlade didn't get fired because of the bubble, there's a good chance that Kings make the playoffs last year under Luke Walton because they would have brought back Bogdanovich. They would have brought back Alex Lynn. They probably would have brought back Kent Bazemore, and they missed the playoffs by two or three games. So, yeah, these things, it's always like this much with this team. Yeah. All right, let's hear it, Brendan. Let's hear it. All right. The business of basketball. The business of basketball. (laughs) This started with Darvin Ham being a thing, and I'd been meaning to ask you. We're going to start with a question. Have you ever tried to do some sort of content that's a play on your last name? No. No? James, we have to have a segment that's a play on your last name. Um, uh, well, I mean, we did do Going Ham on on okay. uh, NBC Sports. I, uh, I have a list of ideas, and Going Ham is one oh, of them, so I'm oh, glad that's been used. Oh, no. And by the way, you had Sean Cunningham... And you guys didn't have a ham segment. Like I was like, what no. is how? Well, and I'll tell you this: like when your name, is, when you grow up and your last name is Ham, you kind of get over it. You're like, <laughs> okay, enough. look, you know, I'm getting over it. There are worse like last him? names out there, but it, there's also like I've I've been like it's my last name. Like I've <laughs> it's been my last name for a long time, and so yeah, I mean, I, I get more like aggravated when people spell it wrong. It's really not that hard. And a lot of you spell it wrong. Gotta gotta tell you. Um It's a tough one. Oh um, Okay, let's hear it. Go, what do you I'm got glad for that me? going ham's already used because that's the best one. By it the is. way, do you like ham? Yeah, of course. Okay. Jambone. Just make it sure. Jambon. Right. I have a couple. And request also. Listeners, in the comments on YouTube, or if you wanna message us on Twitter, let us know some of these names. James, I'm like we need to have a ham segment somewhere in here. We need to play on words. All right. Um, I pulled up a couple, or I tried to think of a couple punny ones here. Um, we have I Ham Legend. They're okay. tough ones. They're tough ones. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah, it's a stretch. That's a stretch. <laughs> um, 
not jet def jam records but def ham records okay stuff stuff um well that would be good because we could go over like stats mm. yes. yeah okay yeah. so go ahead um Space Ham. It's not a good one, but I felt like it was funny to throw it out there to play on Space Jam. <laughs> okay, that's a stretch, but go ahead. That's a tough one. Um, yeah, same with NBA Jam. Uh, I came up with NBA Ham. It's not. It's not good. Oh enough. no, see, that's good. I like that. You think that one's all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, last one I have. Do you know who Will I Am is? Yeah. 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 Will I, I Am? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like maybe. Like yeah. Black I think Eyed the Peas, I right? am legend player of the game. After these pods, the player of the uh, week. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Brendan. It, it's funny. Um, like if if you see me and Doug together, or oh like my even, god, James, it's my favorite thing ever. The first time I heard it, we were in a practice, and Doug screams from across the full gym, "Hamster!" He calls me hamster. <laughs> Or he calls me ham sandwich, or sometimes he just calls me sandwich. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So and and on occasion there are people that call me ham bone, but uh, not, that's not one of Doug's. Doug has a whole thing. So when we had a pod together forever, he would have these like you know he'd call me different names, and he does like I bring Doug coffee uh, when if we have a morning practice because when Doug and I were in the booth together. Um, after we did pregame, we would go and get our coffee together and then, like, go sit and watch the game. So, like, we are good friends. We, we you know, so anyway. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. Uh, we can think about some of these. Like, I'll I'm going to need to see the something list. good. I'm a visual, I'm a visual learner, so I need to actually see them, like, in writing. Like, the going ham uh, segment, that's fine. Like, I, like. We can like if I'm gonna go off on somebody, that's totally fine. We can have a going ham uh, segment, um, but like some of those, uh, uh, like NBA ham, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. We'll see. We'll see. I, I still will do more theory crafting here on some All right. names. All right, but I'm yeah. sure listeners will come up with something. YouTube comments. Let us know. That's awesome. I need help here. <laughs> he need, okay. <laughs> I will he make needs it help. happen. Yes. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, look, it, it's been a long couple of days. Uh, there has not been a lot of sleep. Uh, apologizing for uh, for a lack of Sunday musings. To be honest with you, there was a different story that I had to chase middle, uh, like all morning long on Sunday, uh, which did not come to fruition. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you what I was chasing all day Sunday, um, but it ruined my, my whole morning and cost me all the time to do Sunday musings. Then I had to shift gears and write the, um, the Alvin Gentry, uh, coaching obituary, um, which again, you got to pre-write these things. So they're ready for Monday morning. Cause we knew that was going to happen. Um, I, I had actually, I, I said that before, like I'd had my, uh, Luke Walton one written forever. I like just had to keep changing stats and stuff. Um, and, and those things don't feel good. Uh, and you know, but, I think this, he was my, let me see, Westfall, Smart, Malone, Corbin, Carl, Jaeger, Walton, and Gentry. That's my eighth head coach in 12 years. Um, and there will now be a ninth head coach. And so, yeah, 
Interesting I, times. I'm already going to be on three. What? <laughs> Man. Actually, you could say the same Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell. You and Davion Mitchell are on your third head coach. Yeah, the rookies. Me and him with them. Kobe work ethics. Yeah, you you guys with your Kobe work ethic. You guys with your Kobe Kobe worth ethic. I haven't seen anything uh, since uh, since Kobe Bryant and you and and Davion when it comes to work ethic. Uh, the it's only awesome. Yeah, that's trio. it. That's it. Um, all right, uh, that's gonna do it for this edition. Brendan, do you have any final thoughts that are not ham related? Um, no, I. All my thoughts are ham related, James. Okay. Um, are you gonna be watching the playing closely these next two days? Eh. Meh. Do you have any? Meh. Like, how do you go about playoffs? Do you have a? You know, you used to do warrior stuff. Do you still kind of keep up with that? Or I usually have a policy that I take the first round off because you know we got to do recap stuff. We got to do player recaps. We got to start prepping for draft. We got to. You have we, a policy that you take the first round off because they never make the first round. So well, no, saying, no, that was my place. policy. <laughs> that was my policy with NBC that I didn't have to do the first round. I didn't have to cover the first round. Um, and then after the first round, I had to cover all over the place. And so. Uh, when I had to cover Warriors. So for me, like you need time to decompress. And um, like I talked to Doug this morning and Doug was like scribbling down stuff in his notebook and going through his notebooks and uh, and digesting the information that he had taken in all season long because he didn't have time to during the season. Um, and for me, a lot of this is, is kind of the same. I usually go through like a digestion thing and then it's almost like I ate too much. And I need a nap for like four or five days where I just kind of want to shut it off. And I go through a little, it's always slightly depressing. Like when it's over and the, like the pace and the, like having to be there all the time and all that stuff, it's over. And you're just like, okay, there's nothing going on. Like now I got to pick myself up and get back to content creation. And so it, it's just different, um, but I'm excited. And I, I love what we're doing here on the Kings beat. And I love that we're going to do the podcast twice a week all summer. Uh, we're going to do draft coverage. We're going to do free agency coverage. We're going to do player recaps like what we did with Dante DiVincenzo last week. Um, we're skipping over one this week because uh, we got some other news. We had some other news to cover uh, just a little bit. Um, but yeah, Brennan, have you have you liked the like? This is your first season. Are, are you you survived? Are you okay? I'm good. Yeah. I uh, I think I said this on a pod already, but there was a lot of moments of thinking I'm in a rhythm and then quickly realizing, man, I am not, or something would throw me off and it would take a while to get it back and it would only be temporary again. But I think definitely a lot of moments of, you know, there's just a lot of things that doing it a couple times over, you just get more comfortable. And, and that's, at least to me, I, maybe this is just how I function is that reps are what make me most comfortable. So I think just getting my feet wet with a lot of these things was really, I mean, it's a lot of new, a lot of asking questions and figuring things out, but I feel like I made progress and the off season is probably going to be a little more comfortable for me. Cause that's more so what I'm used to actually is being home and making content. I think it's a, uh, the transition you'll find is that you have to learn how to do your job without quotes. And so it's a, the content creation is different. It's more analytics. It's more, 
um, digesting information and breaking stuff down. Um, it, it's just different. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's fun. I'm, you got to see just about everything in your rookie season covering the team. You got to see what became like your guy and Tyrese Halliburton get traded. Uh, you got to see COVID. You got to see a veteran that has always been solid, completely melt down and just disappear um, in Rashawn Holmes, um, you know, between injuries and COVID and personal issues. Uh, you got to see a monster trade and and a complete changeover in um, in the roster. You got to see a coach get fired and a second coach step in and not be able to turn things around. You got to see coaches talk about quitting and coaches talk about passion. And, you know, you got to see a rookie take his huge steps late in the season. You got to see De'Aaron Fox look like a superstar and Sabonis look like an all-star. Yeah, like you got to see this was... This was a good potpourri year of, of everything that could possibly get thrown at you. It definitely was. And I'm going to steal Davion Mitchell's line um, when he got asked, how does it feel to not be a rookie anymore? They said, he's not a rookie. He's no longer – he's not a second-year guy or no longer a rookie until next season starts. Oh, so you're a rookie all summer? I'm still a rookie. Well, like, you know, today and – and yesterday with De'Aaron and Domas or today with Monty McNair, like it still feels like part of this season in a way. Yeah. And it's taking it in, in a different way. Like you have to, you have to, your questions have to change when they, sometimes they've got to be more pointed. Sometimes they've got to be uh, more and more difficult. And, um, and sometimes they've got to be extremely delicate and, and you know, like tiptoeing through the season, learning things, little nuances and yeah it's fun it's fun i'm glad i'm glad you got to go on this adventure this season and i had a good time uh like being out there with you every day thanks man yeah you were definitely helpful in the whole process and you know i'm not sure if i if it was a good thing that i asked a coach about hiding a player or if that's something i'm not supposed to do because it was a bad reaction at first but it kind of worked out i'm not gonna lie um (laughs) it did work out for you that did work out i I don't know if i would I don't know if I would like pull that one out again no. next year. No? Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, uh, you do you. We'll you do you. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I think. I think one time I I messed around, uh, jokingly said a question. I think it was between you and Sean, and I think your reaction was kind of like that. Uh, not that specific question was something else, and Sean was like, "I don't know. I kind of want him to ask it, and I'll, we'll be there listening the whole time." <laughs> We're there for you. We're there yeah. for for whatever Fair happens enough. next. That's Fair right. Enough. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King Speed Podcast. So uh, make sure to give us a thumbs up. Make sure to give us a subscribe. Jump on the King's Beat. Um, we're going to be doing this all summer long. We're going to be doing all kinds of crazy content all summer. Uh, that is the plan. We're sticking to it, and we're super excited. Health issues are almost all the way over and past, although I'm going to be on Blood Thinners forever, which not forever, but for another like uh, like 70 days or something. Um, but outside of that, like this thing is going to be rolling and we're super happy with the way the King's Beat is taking shape. And uh, we're glad that you're here uh, alongside us for the ride. Um, so for Brendan Nunes, uh, I am James Ham. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Beat. <laughs>